Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. The, th- the topic of uh, the, the message I'm bringing tonight is justly do it. I think you, you've seen on some t-shirts in some places they write, just do it. I don't want to mention the brand because they didn't pay me for advertisement. So just, <laughs> I just say, yeah, just, just a brand. Don't mention it, please. They didn't pay you. So it's not just do it. It's justly do it. It looks like it. Yeah, I thought about it. Yesterday we went to vote. Yesterday it was election day and I, I was privileged to vote. That's my second time I think to vote in Australia. So it was it was great. We had some long papers like like two meters paper, and we got to choose a group and people, and it was really great. And then when I was chatting with my father-in-law, and he was not even getting it. He was not even interested. It was not, he was not even interested. So politics in Australia, okay. So who was elected, okay. And I remembered when I was in Africa, when I was in, in, Rwanda, in, in Congo, I was not even watching the Australian news. I didn't know anything about, I don't know if I even cared about what was happening here. Then when I went, went to Tanzania, I don't remember even seeing on the, on the news anything about Australia. Maybe when there was uh, maybe a Commonwealth meeting, something like that. But really, it wasn't a big deal. And, and then when I came to Australia, I don't see the news from Congo on TV here. We, we, had, we had elections in Congo in December, and I was looking for the results. And I couldn't see any TV channel in Australia showing anything from Congo. It was a big deal for Congo people. But it wasn't a big deal here at all. It wasn't a big deal. So now I started to, to, to think a bit about it. That, does it mean that Congolese don't like Australians or Australians don't like Congolese? No. It doesn't mean we don't like each other. It simply means the media reflects people's interest. Oh, the media di- dictates people, people's interest. It, de- it depends on how we want to say it. <laughs> so talking about Congo politics in Australia, it's kind of boring. It's kind of boring talking about Australian politics in Congo. You know why? Because human beings are not moved by things that don't affect them. That's the nature of human beings. We are not moved by things we think they don't affect us. The reason why we see China's news, or politics on our news in Australia almost all the time is because the economy of Australia, somehow we do business together. So whatever is happening there may affect us. So we are interested to know how they are doing. The US politics is like Australian politics. The president is all every day in the news, in Australia, the president of America. Why? Because America's politics affect us. Whatever happens there affects us. So we feel like it is our business to know what is happening happening in America. We copy them, they copy us. 
Most of the time, we copy them. Oh, forget that. <laughs> the UK politics and the, the, the Commonwealth politics, it affects us. So we, we are very concerned about the things that we think or we presume they affect us. Like, uh, but one thing. When there is Ebola outbreak in Congo, mm, when there is Ebola outbreak in Congo, it becomes the international issue. Everybody wants to know how it's happening, what is, who has been affected. You know why? Not because we love Congolese very much. Because if it's not under control, it may affect us. So everybody becomes concerned about it. How, how is it going? Uh, is it, how many people have died? Not because they care so much about those people, but because, and I'm not blaming anyone, I'm just saying how human beings operate. Because it has to get in, under control. Otherwise, we may be affected. So we, we make sure we know what is happening in Congo. Then you can see Congo in the news. Because we are affected. We are naturally concerned about the things that affect us. Issues become personal when we presume we may be affected. We may get angry, sad, or confused simply because we presume that we may be affected. Or we are affected. We may get happy, we may get happy and excited simply because we think. We are being positively affected, or someone we love is being positively affected. We get excited. The irony is, things become things that become personal are not always the thing that affect us. Sometimes we take personal things that don't affect us. And we ignore the things that are really affecting us. Because it's all about perspective, uh, perception. If we perceive that we are being affected, then we pay attention. If we perceive we are not being affected, then we lose attention. So we sometimes ignore the very thing that is affecting us. And, and, and we pay attention to the things that are not even affecting us. And one, one example is God. The knowledge of God affects every aspect of our lives. Knowing God affects everything about you. Do we always take God personal? No. Knowing the love of God changes the way we see ourselves, the way we see others. Knowing the grace of God changes the way we perceive our sins and the world, and the sins of the world around us. Knowing God's mercy changes our hearts toward other people's mistakes. Knowing God's word changes us. The knowledge of God affects your perception of you, of everybody and everything around you. Do we always take him personal or personally? No. Because sometimes we, 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 we presume, we, we, we think he's not affecting us. The more we know God, the more we get to fall in love with him. 
People who say God does not exist, it's not their fault. They don't just, they've never experienced him. They've never experienced him. The more you get to know God, the more you fall in love with him. Because you begin to discover all his beauty, all his, all his glory. You begin to discover who is his love. The more you fall in love with God, the more you begin to feel what he feels. You begin to feel what he feels. We begin to see things the way he does. You begin to prioritize the things he prioritizes. Just like in every relationship. The more you get in love with someone, the more you love someone, you begin to feel what they feel. I know my, I love my wife, my means universe. I love my wife. When she's sad, I feel sad. I don't know why. I don't know why. I've never, I can't explain that. I think if you are in love, or you've been in love, you, you, you know what I'm talking about. When my wife is in pain, I feel like, I'm in pain. I don't know. I feel bad. I feel something is wrong. If, okay, those who have children, you understand. When your child is in pain, you feel like you are in pain. You don't know why. You, don't, you can't just control it. Why? Because the more you know someone, the more you love someone, you begin to see things the way they see. You begin to, to feel what they feel. You begin to perceive things their way. You begin to become one with the person. Someone sang. I think this is Hill song. Heal my heart and make it clean. Open my eyes. Open up my eyes to the things unseen. Show me how to love like you have loved me. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause as I walk from earth into eternity. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Let me feel how you feel. Let me get angry for the things you're angry about. Let me, get, let me get sad for the things you're sad, sad about. Let me rejoice for the things you rejoice for. Let me, let me feel what you feel. That is the prayer of this guy or this girl who wrote this song. The more you know God, the more your heart breaks for what breaks his the true knowledge of God will change the way you see other people. It will change your priorities. His priorities will become your priority. So what breaks God's heart? What's God's priority? In other words, what's personal to God? What is personal to God? You know we are talking about it's personal this year. It is personal. It's personal. So what is personal to God? So that it can become personal to us. What is personal to God? So that we can feel what he feels. What breaks God's heart? So that he can break our heart. His church. His bride. His church is personal to him. The lost. He doesn't want anyone to perish. The lost are personal to him. The poor. Justice is personal to God. So because of, of the theme of this month, we are talking about missions. I'm not going to talk about the church or the laws or other, play, other, other, other issues that are personal to God. I'm going to talk about justice, about the, the poor, about justice. Justice is personal to God. Is it personal to you? God demands justice. He demands justice. Micah chapter 6 verse 8 
With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves and a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? All these are sacrifices. Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, all mortal, or human beings, what is good. God now defines what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Look at what he requires of us to act justly. Some, some translations say to do justice or to do justly. And to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. The people of Israel were given the law by God. God defined what was morally acceptable and what was not acceptable. Then it came a time then they redefined the law. They redefined what was acceptable and what was not. But they continued to, to do something good. They continued to do something good. They continued to give their offerings to God. They continue to go to church, like we can say in, in today's language, to give their offerings, to sing, to pray, to preach. They continued to do good so that they can look good in the eyes of God. They continue to focus on their vertical relationship. And they completely ignored their horizontal relationships. They were good into giving offerings. So verse 6 to 7 shows what they are doing to look good in God's eyes. And verse 8 shows what God expects them to do to be good. So it was one thing to try to look good in God's eyes, and it was another thing to really be good in God's eyes. Look and be. Two different things. St. God is telling them, this is what I require of you, verse 8, to act justly and to love mercy and walk humbly with your God. Three things the prophet is telling them God requires. So for the sake of this, uh, for, of the series of this month mission, let me focus on justice. First question, what does do justly mean? Justice. Let's do some, some Hebrew. Go back, my friend. Let's do some, some, some Hebrew some Hebrew lesson for your entertainment. Mishpah. Mishpat. Mishpat. That is M in Hebrew. M, M. The funny thing is the dot, the dot below it is E. So that is me. Then that, sh, that like W, that is funny W. That is sh, sh. But that dot on top, if it goes to the left, it becomes S. So it's shh because it's on the right. Mish. The two dots at the bottom makes it fast. So you have to rush when you get to, to the two dots. Then pa, 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 pa is there. It's like a G reversed. And then the T, like kind of T, that is A. That's Hebrew. Are you learning? Good. We're making progress. So <laughs> mishpa. And the last one is te, mishpat. What does mishpat? The, the transliteration of it is mishpat. 
that's how it sounds. That's not the translation. The translation is justice. In the ears of the Israelites, the Hebrews, when the prophet was speaking, they knew which justice the prophet was talking about. Because in the Western context today, when we talk about justice, we see the punishment of evil. Somebody who has done evil deserves the consequences. But in Hebrew, mishpat has different meanings. And let's talk about those two meanings. Bring the, the, the second one. Justice, this is what Holman says, the Holman version, uh, Bible dictionary. Justice has two major aspects. First, it is the standard by which penalties are assigned for breaking the obligation of society. So we know that's one. We're used to that. Second, justice is a standard by which the advantages of, so of social life are handled out, including material goods, rights of participation, opportunities, and liberties. So this is another, another justice that they knew he was talking about. In this context, the prophet was not talking about the punishment of evil. He was talking about how to, to distribute the advantages in the community. So that's the context we are talking about here. Justice in the Bible very frequently also deals with benefits. Cultures differ widely in determining the basis by which the benefits are to be justly distributed. For some, it's by birth and nobility. For others, by basis, uh, the basis is might or ability or merit. On the other hand, it might simply be whatever is the law or whatever has been established by contract. The Bible takes another possibility. Benefits are distributed according to needs. Justice then is very close to love and grace. In fact, most of the time, what justice is in the Old Testament, love is in the New Testament. If you read the Bible, you understand God was demanding justice just as he demands love in the New Testament. Because the meaning is almost the same. Benefits are distributed according to needs. Justice then is very close to love and grace. God executes justice for the orphan and the widow and shows his love for the alien by giving him food and clothing. Biblical, biblical Justice covers a wide range of issues, from giving to the poor, helping the widow, visiting the sick, assisting the prisoner, welcoming the aliens, defending the oppressed. All that is part of the word mishpat, justice. In other words, God demands that we make wrong rights around us. God demands that we stand and make wrong right. Justice is the obligation to right the wrong around you. Here is the question. In the process of doing justice or standing for what is right, we face one big challenge. Who defines what is wrong and right? Who will define to us what is just and unjust? Each culture, each culture or country has its own way of defining wrong and right. For adults, we understand what I'm about to talk about. The age of consent in Portugal is 21. In Australia, it's 16. In Philippines, it's 12. In Nigeria, it's 11. The age of consent. 
So if you are taken to court in Nigeria for an 11-years-old girl, you are fine. If you come to Australia, you are in jail. Do you see the difference? So who will define just and unjust? Because we have a broad range of perspectives around the world today, and every group, come, every group comes with their own opinion about what is just and what is unjust. It becomes complicated. The, the, the concepts of justice should be, should be clarified by the word of God. We should stand for what the word says it's wrong. For what the Bible says it's right. The Bible defines what is wrong and right. We don't define that as human beings. God has already defined what is wrong or right. Because what is legal in Australia can be completely illegal in Libya. In fact, sex before marriage in Libya deserves, it's a crime. You go to jail if we know you've done it. In Australia, it's just fine. It's a fashion. In fact, it's, it's, everybody does it. No, not everybody. Most people. Not you. Not anyone, no one in this room. Is, yeah, only those people. You see, the concept of justice need to be clarified by the word of God. What the word says is wrong is wrong. And we stand for it. We don't just stand for every group that comes around. Let's fight against this. Let's fight against these people. Check the word. Check the word. Check what the word says. Are they standing for something that is biblically unjust? Justice is the obligation to do right to right the wrong God's way. So what if you don't feel like doing it? What if you don't feel like being part of it? What if you don't feel like helping? You don't feel like fighting? You don't feel like being part of it? Oh, that I have, a, I have an answer for you. Justice is a requirement. What does it mean? In other words, justice is a command. So if you don't do justice, what is it? It is obedience. Not avoid to say it. Don't avoid to say it. If you don't do justice, you sin. It is not godly. Because it's an, an obligation, it's a requirement, it becomes an obligation to us to do justice. This is what God says. Even when you don't feel it, John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my command. So uh, uh, there is a point I'm trying to make here. God, is, uh, God does not expect you to feel in love with him. He doesn't expect us to feel. He expects us just to obey. Trust and obey. He doesn't expect us to feel. Because you may say, oh, no, I don't feel like... No, God, God, God doesn't... You, you don't see him. Like, God, you don't see him. Sometimes you may feel like you love him because of what he's done for you, but God does not expect you to always feel like you love him. So he says, if you love me, obey me. That's how you'll prove that you love me. He doesn't expect flowers and chocolate. He just expects you to, to obey him. If you love God, do justice. 
That's, that's, it's simple. It's just simple. Even if you don't feel it. We, we expect to see a video of some children crying in Africa, in Asia, or somewhere for us to say, oh, I feel like I need to help. No. You need to help even if you don't feel like. Do it because it's a requirement. It's a godly thing. What is wrong? What, what is the wrong you see around you? Are you moved by the things that are happening far away from, from here? The things that are happening in Western Australia or Northern Territory? Are you moved by that? Are you moved by the things that are happening in China? Or are you moved by that? Or you are only moved by what is happening in your house? What moves you? Or you are like me when I don't, I'm not moved by the things that are happening in Philippines. No, I love Filipinos. We have a lot in Ghana Church. We need to get to, to understand that we need to be moved by the things that move God's heart. We don't wait until we see an image of a, a crying baby to be moved. So I will recommend these three things before, before we finish. One, pay attention. That's the first thing I want you to know. To, you, it's your obligation to pay attention to the things that are happening in the world. Human trafficking, poverty, lack of education, child labor, all these issues, they affect God's heart. Are you paying attention? And I know, we, I, I've heard many people standing from this pulpit saying we have... Great people in our church who are doing great things in the community and around the world. And I, I appreciate that. And I, I appreciate those who are doing it already. Uh, but I just want to remind you, if you, you can reconsider maybe your degree of attention and, and pay more attention to the things that are happening around the world and around us. Stand for what is wrong in our community. Stand against it. Are you paying attention? Second point, do justice within your reach. God does not expect you to give millions to solve problems. God expects you to do, just to reach where you can. Maybe $40 per month to sponsor a child. Just something you can do. He's not asking you not to, 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 to go and take a loan because you want to help some poor children in Africa. No, that's not what God is trying to ask you. He's just telling you, look at yourself. Within your reach, what can you afford and do it? And the last point, you are not guilty of being blessed. And I, I think I'm qualified to say this. I will explain to you why. Let me read this for you. It's not wrong to buy yourself something your poor neighbor cannot afford. And I have a point there. It's not wrong. If you can afford a new house, just buy it. If you can afford a new car, buy it. If you can whatever you can afford, a new phone every two weeks, just buy it. I, I love Samsung. My key loves iPhones. So no problem. If you want to buy me more Samsung, just let him buy. It's not a sin for you to buy the things you can afford. Here comes the challenge. It is wrong not to buy your poor neighbor something you can afford. 
So that's where the challenge is. The challenge is not for you to enjoy your blessings. The problem is when you know someone needs something, you can't afford it and you don't do it. That's where the problem is. I spoke for compassion for years and for, for, with the SOAS group, we, wrote, we, we raised a lot of sponsorship. Hundred and hundred and hundred and hundred, sometimes hundred and fifty in one church. Sometimes a lot, a lot, a lot of sponsorship. At the beginning of me speaking for compassion, I was making people feel guilty for being blessed. So I come in a church and I say, you Westerners, your fridges are full. People are hungry in Africa. And then one day God stopped me. Wait a moment. What have, they, what, what have they done wrong to be blessed? Check your language. And I, I, I sat down and said, no, yes. Nobody's guilty to be blessed. You did not choose to be born in Australia. I, was not cho- I did not choose to be, to be born in, in Congo. Nobody chose to be born in the family they were born in. So we were all born in, in situations and opportunities, and nobody's guilty of that. Nobody's guilty of that. The guilty comes in when we know the right we should do and we don't do it. When we see wrong and we fail to right it or to make it right. Justly do it. Don't just do it, but do it with justice. With justice. What is needed of you? What is needed of you is to do justice. So what is the need that you see around the world today or around your community? What is the need that you see? What are you going to do about it? Do you think you are affected by what is happening in Africa or in South America, do you think it affects you? I think it does. When you see the world as God sees it, it affects all of us. What is happening in Western Australia, what is happening in Sydney, what is happening wherever around the world, it affects all of us. When people are dying in sin in Asia, it, it affects all of us. What is happening in Canada, in, in, in Armadale, it affects us. Let's bow our head and pray. Father God, break our heart to what breaks yours. Touch our heart, Jesus, so that we can see the world as you see. We can see our neighbors as you see them. We can see the needs of people around us as you see. Help us, oh God. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.